Welcome to the Crash the Pond podcast. It is a Monday, September 5th edition of the show, Labor Day edition of the show. Jake, I hope you had a wonderful Labor Day. Hope you had a, hopefully it wasn't too laborious and hope you had a good three day weekend. Tell, no. tell, me, tell me about your weekend. Tell us yeah. all about your weekend. Happy Labor Day to everyone except for CM Punk. <laughs> really? You just had to make this about wrestling right I mean, off the that, hop? That was the bit. Labor Day weekend is all out weekend. Oh, got it, got it. Okay. okay. Yeah, all, all out was yesterday. That's why. Uh, okay. I mean, fair, but also it's just too early in the show for wrestling. Uh, but I take it you had a good weekend then if you I did. watch wrestling. I did. Took a little bit of time to go up to my parents, the first outing for Luke to our parents' house. And really? Both mine and my, my wife's parents. And yeah, so it was a good time. Um, and then yesterday, yeah, just relaxed. And then today kind of did a bunch of things around the house uh made some steak and potatoes and stuff yeah yeah how about you the real question though is what kind of steak uh it was top sirloin okay i haven't had that in a while but that is a good choice the only thing issue that i ended up having was i was supposed to make it yesterday turn on my propane turn on my grill Uh uh-huh throw the bake throw the potatoes on let them cook put them takes about 40 minutes on on the grill i go out i look at them after 40 minutes the grill's not hot anymore. My propane tank ran out. So the potatoes oh. were fully cooked. Had not, Did not want to cook uh, the, the steaks inside. So I ended up door dashing and doing the steaks today. Wow. That is this. You know, how far do you live from a gas station? All out was on. I wasn't going to leave in the middle of the ba- one of the biggest pay-per-views of the year. Getting a propane tank is probably the easiest. Anyway. I understand. I, I didn't want to. Would you do it if you're you're watching? I don't know. Something I cared a Sta- about. A Stanley Cup final game? Well, I, I might for Stanley Cup final because teams I care about are never in it. So, but yeah, I, I get your point. That's fine. Um, I do want to I do want to say that my weekend, I I'm proud. I'm proud of a couple of food takes I've concocted. I'm proud of them. Wait, wait. What? Let's no, 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 no. We're saving these. We got questions on these, so don't don't do this now. Don't do this now. Okay. Let's let's start with with hockey. Okay. Well, I just want to say that if you want to know this this new take, I've I've spent the entire weekend concocting and crafting. Stay tuned. You're you're gonna have to actually listen to us talk about hockey first, though, which which is probably what you're here for anyway. So. Let's get into it. This the, the whole reason that we're doing this show today is because the Ducks made a trade last week, and it almost feels a little bit like it flew under the radar, but it's a potentially very significant move. The Ducks traded future considerations in exchange for Dmitry Kulikov from the Minnesota Wild. And so just to give everyone a little bit of background, uh, in case you're not familiar with Kulikov, 31-year-old defenseman who is a left-handed shot. And he has one year left on his contract, which is kind of the, the pertinent part. And he's got a cap hit of $2.25 million. So they get this veteran defenseman who's on an expiring contract for nothing, essentially. And did it catch you off guard at all, Jake, that this, that this trade went through? Yeah. I mean, there, there's really no other way to put it. It did catch me off guard just because, quite frankly, had not really thought about it. I don't know the last time or if ever the Ducks had ended up pulling off a trade for future considerations. <laughs> I was trying to think it through, and the only trade I can think of off the top of my head that was a future considerations trade just in hockey, and there's bound to be more people will probably add them in, but wasn't the, the Marc-Andre Fleury trade to Chicago for future considerations? 
It's possible. Oh, here we go. I can actually filter this in the cap-friendly trade history. For future considerations? The last time they did it was, um, oh, that they acquired, that they, that they just traded. A, just any trade with future considerations. So in the history of cap-friendly, the Ducks have actually not traded future considerations away. This was the first time that they've done it, that they've traded away future considerations. The last time was when they traded Jared Corot, a third-string goalie in 2019, uh, to the Blues in exchange for future considerations. Oh, now I see it. All right, when was... And I'm trying to look at just trade... Oh, the Calgary... Yeah, and Monaghan actually just was traded for future considerations. Yeah. Uh, Patch Reddy was also a future considerations. So it happens pretty significantly. AKA, it seems like future considerations at this point for anyone that's wondering, it essentially means cap dump with nothing in return. Yeah, and I, I think it, that, I think these are probably becoming more common than you might think because of the the ecosystem of cap world right now where everyone's there's a lot of teams fighting that fighting that that cap ceiling and i mean it makes sense that the wild are a team that have been in that category that they've been talked about all summer in that way so the ducks i mean it's not a lot of money that they're taking on but they're they're helping the wild get out of this contract a, a defenseman that they don't value anymore or at least not to the extent that they value him more than the money that they're saving um, and the Ducks get back a defenseman who now they can either just have him spend the season with the Ducks or kind of like we talked about with Klingberg earlier this summer, they can potentially flip him at the trade deadline. Well, and the interesting thing with, with this deal in terms of from the, the Minnesota perspective is I, I kind of read a couple things, saw on Twitter, saw a couple things from wild fans. And a lot of times what all of them point to when they're, when they're talking about this, because I, I think it, it's not necessarily reflective of the play, but I think it at least gives you some insight in terms of what the other fan base was thinking about that player, what the other beat writers thought of those players. And you look at what Michael Russo said and, and how I believe it was game one or game two of the playoffs against St. Louis. He got turnstiled and then sat a couple games and then was also horrible in game six. And so what this almost feels like by, by kind of reading that is a overreaction to a small sample size to clear cap space. Yeah. And I think if you're the Ducks and if you're Pat Verbeek, that's the exact type of guy you want to target in this. If, if in fact, and this really goes to kind of what you and I have been saying, the Ducks are trying to be somewhat competitive this year. This is not a team that is trying to tank. By bringing on a Dmitry Kulikov, that is not a deal to try and be bad. Kulikov, if you look at his numbers, and uh, I will actually bring them up because I think, everyone, I have fixed our, uh, well, our so, scene that shows well, so the screen. While, while you do that, I think you're, you're skipping some steps here. Okay. Because, well, not fully, but I was going to say, yes, it shows that the Ducks are intending to be good because Kulikov is actually good. And now to the numbers. That's yep. what you're looking to bring up. And so now you can see on the screen for anyone watching on our Twitch stream or watching on our YouTube, you can see the RIPM charts from uh, Evolving Hockey. You can see last year, very good defensively. And, and this is something where you're going to see it continually. 2020-2021 season, good defensively. Good offensively also that year. 1920, good defensively. Offensively, not as good. Yeah. 1819, uh, a little bit more average. And so you can see, though, if you look at a multi-season span from 19 to 22, as the game has changed and become more of a transition game, he's been able to thrive defensively. And the funny thing is, if you look at the Ducks' defense, what were they necessarily missing? Because they had a Cam Fowler who's a good transition player, good at exiting his own zone, and, and just an overall good defenseman. 
You have uh, John Klingberg, who is an all-gas, no-breaks, not good in his own zone, not great defensively player. You have Jamie Drysdale, who's still figuring it out, not the best in his own zone. And so they really needed a guy like this where he maybe is going to help you a little bit offensively. But his main thing that he does well is he's good in his own zone and he's good at exiting the zone. And that's where kind of going in and looking at something like uh, – like Corey Schneider's all three zones uh, situation, you can see in, def- in the defensive zone, he is very, very good at having retrievals and getting it out of the zone and exiting the zone with possession. That's something that he does very well. And that is something where I think if you pair him with a Jamie Drysdale, it's going to be a fantastic pairing for this team. And it's one that actually can help Drysdale out significantly by putting him into a position to succeed. Yeah, I mean, I think that, there's a there's a danger here of potentially overstating, you know, Kulikov's value. I think that the value that Kulikov brings, although just on his own, like you said, he's a good player. He's good defensively. Like you said, he's good at retrieving the puck, breaking it out. But really, his biggest value is that he's just not one of these AHL level guys that have really been crowding the Ducks blue line the last few years. Like if you think about... If you think about Kulikov and the fact that he's an above average NHL defenseman, you know, when's the last time that you could you could have said on the Ducks top four that they legitimately had, you know, one excellent defenseman in John Klingberg offensively, Cam Fowler, who's very good on you know, from a two way perspective, Jamie Drysdale, you know, at this point could break out and then Kulikov, who's just very solid. Like, when's the last time? that the Ducks just didn't even really have a flaw at all, I would say, in their top four outside of maybe like Drysdale. Like it's, this feels like a pretty big upgrade from what they've had. Yeah, it's a massive, massive upgrade. And I think I think a key part of this also is the fact that they got him for nothing. I think if you're trading assets yes. for a Kulikov, that changes the way that we would probably perceive this deal. But the fact that they got him for absolutely nothing, the fact that he's, I mean, from the Ducks' perspective, $2 million is nothing. They still have $16.5 million in cap space after adding that $2 million uh, to their their cap sheet. So it really doesn't impact them at all from the cap perspective. And it's a one-year deal. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't impact the long-term planning. It helps this team out for this year when... I mean, from all I can see from the way that this roster has been constructed, Pat Verbeek is trying to essentially insulate the younger guys with some uh, good veterans on shorter-term deals that can help them be competitive this year and help them raise their game. And then we see where we go after that as those guys step into those bigger roles and, and go from there. But I, I think your your point about the other guys is very important because I think one of the criticisms I saw online of this deal is that well, and even from, I think it was Ryan Lambert today on what we learned at EP Rinkside had said, the Ducks now just have a, are, are they just trying to acquire all of the defensemen? It's like, I don't necessarily know what you're talking about there because Look I mean, at who they had before. <laughs> it, it's Klingberg, Fowler, Shattenkirk, Kulikov, Drysdale, and then Vakanainen, White, Mahura, Benoit. And while we all like a, a Josh Mahura, he's not really an NHLer at this point in time. Well, like if he is, he's like a seventh defenseman. You know, yeah. or seventh, eighth defenseman. Same thing with Benoit. Well, and, same and, thing with Vakaninen, right? These these are guys who are probably best suited to have a rotation on the third pairing. Yep, at best. Exact, exactly. And, and that's kind of exactly where it's going to be. Is it, it's going to be a contest? And here's the deal with these guys. It, it I kind of view this with Verbeek in the same way as he probably viewed Sam Steele, where it's put up or shut up time. And with Sam Steele, he didn't, and so he didn't qualify him. And with Josh Mahura, it's probably that same situation, same thing with Benoit. 
And if they're not good enough, he's really not going to have any two thoughts about just putting them on waivers. And I don't think that that's necessarily, while it's probably not the best asset management, the Ducks are stockpiled with a bunch of picks, a bunch of prospects that they have right now, where they could lose a Josh Maher to waivers and it not be the end of the world. That's what you get when you end up stockpiling the assets that Pavrubik did last last year. And if Josh Maher at 24 years old is not an NHLer, then it might be time to just cut bait and move on. And that might be essentially where it's at. And that's what you're doing by putting this in place. You're forcing a Vakanine and Mahura and Benoit to all compete with each other. And quite frankly, one of those guys is not going to make the NHL roster. And so one of them is going to go on waivers and one of them might get sent down and one of them might get claimed. Or we saw this with Sonny Milano last year. They may go on waivers and at the beginning of the year, no one might pay attention and clear. And so I, I think... Both you and I maybe have a little bit of a lessons learned from that with uh, how the beginning of the season waivers are with when we, uh, yeah, don't don't bring out the pitchforks and knives if Josh Mahurik gets put on waivers. Correct, season. correct. <laughs> and, and so I I just don't get that argument. And if you want to say maybe this puts a, a log jam in place in front of Zellweger, I mean if Zellweger makes the team, then Vakanine and Mahura Benoit are, are on the bench and they can also play the right side. They're not. I wouldn't say this team is locked in and having Kevin Shattenkirk play. I could see them scratching him. And I, I think what this does is it just adds protection. If Zellweger makes the team great, he'll, he can get nine games. If he sticks, he can stick. And you're not blocking him necessarily. And But it's adding protection for if he's not ready and helps this team out if he's not ready. And I think that that's a big part of this. Yeah. No, and, and the thing too, I think it, it, does, it, it does signal further a shift right where something that you talked about a lot with Verbeek when he came in was like look out for bringing in his guys and maybe not being loyal to guys that he didn't bring in in mm-hmm. terms of the front office coaching and, and whatnot and you're kind of seeing that with the players too because you know Pavarik didn't draft these guys and you know there's still people in the organization that had something to do with bring in a Mahara bring in a Simon Benoit Pavarik traded for a Hovac and Einan, but there's not that sense of loyalty there. And even if there was, how far does that loyalty really extend when two of them are on the last year of their deals? And like you talked about with Zellweger, he's coming up. You've got Drew Hellison, who maybe is going to get a shot at some point during the season. Oli Yolevi that they went out and, and signed during the offseason. Another guy who maybe could get a sniff during the season. So it's not as if losing any one of those three, Vakanine and Mahara Benoit, is this death blow. They have a new kind of pipeline that's starting to set in. And, and kind of to that point, some people will say, well, you're adding a block is in front of Hellas and you're adding blocks. I mean, they went outside Yule Levy. Only Yule Levy is not an NHLer at this he, point he, in time. Well, he's a, he's a dart throw. He's, like that's true. where he is. But if he goes on, he was in the minors last year. So it's not as if it's a risk yeah. that you're going to lose him on waivers. It's the same exact concept. And Hellas sure. and, and Hellas might need another year in the AHL. That, yeah. that might just be where it is with, with him coming in. His first, this year will be his first pro season. And so he may get called up when injuries happen. And that's the other thing with this. No one's talking about the fact that injuries happen. Well, COVID. (laughs) Well, yeah. And this provides depth for that also. And so let's just say, I don't know, let's just say Vakanine gets a spot. Maher is the the seventh defenseman. And Benoit gets put on waivers and clears. If someone gets hurt, you have someone who has NHL experience then that can come up and play. And yeah. whether it's Mahura stepping in, whether it's Benoit stepping in. And so th- this just isn't something to to panic about, to be critical about. This is a, a fantastic deal from Pat Verbeek. And it's not one that's necessarily going to turn this team into a contender overnight. 
But these are the types of deals that you have to make to help your team. This is, I mean, this is going to be dumb. I've brought this guy's name up before, but was anyone really touting uh, Joe Sackick when he signed uh, Val Nichushkin mm-hmm. way back when? Uh-huh. Right? Right. Well, and some people were, but yeah, I get your point. My, my point is, though, that these types of underrated moves, they may not be the ones that bring you the cup, but these types of moves, and this one won't because I don't think Kulikov will be here long term, but it's more so just the thought process behind this. these types of moves. These are the types of moves that end up keeping you competitive. They build the team around you, around your stars, and they're the guys that will help you significantly because you need your stars to perform, but you also have to have that depth that fits well with them. And I think that this shows that Paverbeek understands what type of depth is needed. Yeah, I mean, there's so many points to take away there, but one that you were just saying is basically that you can't just win by hitting home runs like you got to hit singles you got you got to get on base somehow it can't just be these massive moves and i think that is something that's underappreciated by a lot of people is that if it's not the blockbuster move if it's not the number one pick then what is it really what's the value and and you need to you need to build that foundation and it can't just be and just because some people may say well that's what bob murray did it can't just be shuffling deck chairs though it has yeah. to be trying to find these values that you can find. Right. It has, to be, a, it, it has to be a sound move on and, top of being, you know, like a smaller move. And I'm good. not going to, I don't give Bob Murray credit on the show because of everything that's happened, but there are deals that fit that mold, like bringing in a Matthew Perot. That fits that similar type of mold way back when before the 13, 14 season. Right. Uh, uh, of bringing in a guy that's undervalued. Right. Well, so I think with Kulikov, though, all the points that you're raising about depth and whatnot, none of that really matters if you're not trying to be at least competitive, right? Because the Ducks could have walked into the season with the with the group of defensemen they had. And I think that because if you walk in with the group that they had, so without Kulikov, and then you have the three guys we've been talking about basically having to fill out two spots instead of one, uh, your expectations have to be lower because your blue line just looks a lot worse. Well, that was your big criticism of the team. And rightfully so was when we talked about, well, is this team a playoff contender? Or, the the no, blue line. Like playoff contender, I mean, a team that could make the playoffs. And your big contention there was the play was the, the defense. And this defense is still really roughshod and not fully put together. And I think that this type of deal shows that, yeah, Pat Verbeek saw that. And he found guy, I mean, Bring in John Klingberg. Bring in Dmitry Kulikov. Those are two significant deals that transform this blue line. Yeah. If, this, if there was no Klingberg, no Kulikov, and the top four was Fowler, Drysdale, Shattenkirk, Vakanainen, which, let's say, let's say, a uh, month and a half ago, that was what we were looking at. That's a very different blue line than what they have now. I do. I, I, was, I thought about this the day that the trade happened, but I haven't actually said this on Twitter or actually to anyone, but remember when people think back to the trade deadline, remember when people were saying, Oh, if you give up Lindholm and Manson, how are you possibly going to replace them? You know how like that is such a big void. You need those guys. If you want to even be good that you're after, you need to bring them back. You know, it doesn't matter how much they cost, blah, 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 ad infinitum. Well, I mean, this is pretty close. They got the assets for Manson and Lindholm. They got John Klingberg for one year, seven million, and they got they got Dmitry Kulikov, who's a second pairing defenseman. You know, I would say he's a fine second pairing defenseman for nothing and two point two five cap space. So for 
essentially nine million of cap space and future considerations. They've they've filled those two slots. They have replaced, and it, it lines up perfectly. It's a right shot D and a left shot D, and they got all the and they got everything that they got back for those two players. Like that's why when people are so when when, when critics of Pavlovic and th- there were many at the deadline and there were even this summer were so critical of oh you know you can't trade away guys because they're so hard to replace. Well. This just goes to show that it's it's a big sandbox. Like it's it's not like there's very few players in the NHL that are irreplaceable. And mm-hmm. Josh Manson and Hampus Lindholm were were not those guys. I don't and know how now, this became a, a rant against that, but well, now up yeah. on the screen, I mean, because this is important. It, it's important to look at the team, look at what they've built. And so I, I think even though you're right that left hand D, right hand D, both of them replaced. Uh, I think that Kulikov more so fits what Manson brought to this team in yeah. terms of, of the mold. And I have up on the screen the RAPM charts from last season. And you can see that they're pretty similar players. And you could argue that Kulikov might be better. And now, granted, Kulikov is older. he's in, he, And so he may decline quicker. And he may not be what he was last year based upon the aging curve. But you look at that and you can say, well, the Ducks probably upgraded on Manson. But if, but if, he's, but if he's not, though, like this is, the, this is the distinction, though. If he's not, they spent future considerations to get him. If Manson wasn't, they would have spent eight years or whatever yeah. it would have, or five years whatever it would have been to bring him back plus all that yep. cap space and now you're and now i have klingberg versus lindholm while klingberg defensively it, it is not good the offense that he brings offsets that and so there's not really a big comparison at all no um but yeah and, and so let me see what was this question from Yi uh Yee. but the idea is he's in he they're both established defensemen they're both Competent defenseman. Yeah, and I think uh, someone in our Twitch chat, Twitch chat Yij Z says, but are they going to be around long term? Because there is that component of this where Kulikov and yeah. Klingberg are signed to one-year deals. But I think to that point, though, that's actually better for this Ducks franchise that they are on shorter-term deals because you're not locked in. Because these guys aren't the core of the team. And that's the key thing with the Lindholm and Manson part of all of this also is that... They Lindholm, would have had to have been for Lindholm, them to come back. Yeah, and Lindholm and Manson like Klingberg and like Kulikov would not have been the core of this team when they are contending. They would have been too old. That's just mm-hmm. quite frankly how it was going to be during the ducks contending window. They would have been the veteran on the team that was there in a good role, but probably overpaid. was not going to, but was going to be overpaid, not making what they were going to be worth and make it harder to keep the Terry's, the, the dry sales, the, the Zegras all these guys that we love, the Zellweggers, the McTavishes, all these guys that are going to need upgrades over the next three to five years in their contracts or however long, they it would have been harder. One of those guys would have become a cap casualty because of the Manson and Lindholm extension. And so I think that overall, this puts the Ducks in a place where they have guys there that can help them this year. They are guys that Kulikov may be willing to take a year or two contract after this that they can still maybe be on shorter-term deals. And if they do good also, and the Ducks are bad, they can flip them. I mean, yeah. uh, while granted Kulikov got future considerations, around the deadline with the Ducks retaining, you're telling yeah. me there's not someone that wouldn't want him for under like a, $2 million? Like a fourth. Yeah, fourth maybe, maybe even more. Maybe a third. Right, yeah. that's that's the whole thing, is that in both the Klingberg and Kulikov uh, files, there's just no losing for the Ducks. Because... If things go well, like let's just say the Ducks have a good season and they're in the playoff hunt, you know, the Ducks could just, you could make an argument to just ride it out with those two and give your younger players the experience of a a true playoff chase and maybe, maybe a playoff round. 
or you decide, meh, you know, we're, we're not quite there, even if we're in the hunt, you can still trade them. Like, there's just not really a way to lose that situation. And I mean, kind of zooming out just very briefly, you could even say the same thing when it comes to Vetrano and Strom. Like, yeah, Strom is a five-year deal. Vetrano's three years. But none of those things are, are these big slices into the pie that are really going to make it difficult to have any flexibility moving forward. Like, that, yeah. that is the biggest win of this offseason. Yeah, and I think also with, yeah, with Klingberg, if they do make a uh, run for the playoffs, it's not like they gave up assets for these guys. No, they gave they up cap space that, so, they had in, sure. that they had in abundance. Sure, you could flip them, get stuff back. That's a great asset management move. But we've also started talking about, and it's not some, it's something that a lot of people were talking about over a year or two ago, or the last couple of seasons, that you eventually, you can't just lose all the time. And while I somewhat agreed with that, I think that it depended on where the team was at. And I think this team has now entered the point where that does matter because you have your core guys. You have Zegris, McTavish, Drysdale there. Right. And these are guys that you want to establish winning with and establish a playoff run with. And so I think that the, it depends on what Paverbeek views as a more valuable thing. Getting that pick for next year, maybe with Klingberg being a first-round pick, that ends up being worth it coming back the other way. And depending on what team it comes from also. Because keep in mind, it could be a, it most likely is going to be a pick in the 20s. Yeah. Um, Kulikov, it may be more worth it to keep him. And then you get that run, and it helps out these young guys. And so it really just depends on where things go, how things are doing. But I, I just don't but think that, But you're I, right. It's a win-win. Yeah. yeah, like, I don't think there's a bad outcome regardless of what they do, right? No. I think if you keep Klingberg, let's say you don't trade Klingberg, um, even if he walks in the offseason, if you get a playoff run out of it or you get a, a playoff hunt out of it, like you said, I think that we are reaching this point for these players where that does have some value. And the return for Klingberg, for anyone maybe asking about, well, what we said about Lindholm Manson, that's well, thing. I, I think about Ben Sherratt for, well, you know. No, 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 no. But where I'm getting at with this is that mm -hmm. you look at the return on Lindholm and Manson. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily know if Klingberg gets that same return because of where people were at with him over the offseason. I think that his stock right now is not that high because of the fact that he couldn't get that deal. Like, uh, like for better or worse, the fact that he's not this guy coming off a big contract probably changes the perception of him. But if he has a good season, if he's doing really well in the Ducks power play and he's the, he's the quarterback of the power play, you know, teams are going to pay a first round pick for him. Sorry. Yeej Z um, wanted to just clarify something. He wasn't necessarily talking about uh, Klingberg Kulikov being replacements. He was saying that because the Ducks are in this rebuild place, Drysdale Zelliger are the real replacements for Lindholm and Manson. And you're kind of able to fill the void until then. Which is what this does, and that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I think that they are replacements in the sense that they're filling the slots that those two guys occupied of two established veteran NHL defensemen, right? Because yeah, but, but long-term to the franchise, the actual replacement to Lindholm and Manson are guys like Zellweger, Drysdale. Right, right. Uh, that, that's Hallison. more so what I meant. Just just yeah. from a functional short-term perspective, they have those that player archetype back in the in the lineup. So yeah, 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 that, yeah. that's a good distinction. Uh, but yeah, it, it is exciting though because I think that even though this is like, such, like I think in the eyes of probably your average fan who's not a you know not 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 even a Ducks fan but just someone following the league, you probably didn't bat an eye at this trade. But yeah. I mean, I I really do think it matters for the Ducks to have a top four. And again, a lot of much of this does hinge a little bit on is Drysdale going to take a step? But I think he will. Uh, it, it, it's 
there is so much value in having a top four that just doesn't have any uh, black holes on it, that doesn't have any weak links. And, you know, now your third pairing is presumably going to be Kevin Shattenkirk and take your pick of whoever else it's going to be, right? And as a third pairing, on a third pairing, I think Kevin Shattenkirk is like, that's right where he should be at this point in his career. And then you can just cycle through whoever else, uh, you know, to find out who's going to fit that third pairing. So I like the look of the blue line. I think that, again, this is another thing I wanted to know is that every move that Pat Verbeek has made this offseason, Every single move uh, at the NHL level will say all the guys coming in are have good underlying numbers. Like there's no guy where I'm looking at him. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head trying to understand what is the value that, that, that this team sees in him. Right. We often had to do that under Bob Murray. But with Kulikov, you see it right away. You know, he he was a good player in both both ends of the ice. Good tracking data. We said that I means same thing for Klingberg, Strom, Vetrano, right? So there's the sound methodology that's going on here, both from a high-level cap management perspective and from a on-ice, just are these players good perspective. And that's, if you're a fan of this team, like, I can't really, I don't want to oversell it, but I, I will say it anyway. Like, this, you should be very excited right now because sound decisions are being made. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it's going to lead to a fun product this season. I think the Ducks now... I'm excited. They I'm have so, a, so excited. They, they have, a, I think that, I don't want to waffle. They're going to be in the hunt. They're going to be in the playoff hunt. I And again, please do not take this as me saying they're going to make the playoffs. I think that they're going to compete for a playoff spot. They're going to be one of those Hell, teams that okay. hangs around. I'm just going to jump in and say they are making the playoffs because here's the deal. I, I think I mentioned this on the Patreon show. All right, fine. I'll backtrack slightly. They're going <laughs> to be within striking distance. That and was be in a that fast backtrack. Well, we're, we're saying the same things, though. Like, yeah, like, but, but, but l- let me just say this for anyone out there. Last year's Ducks team was actually right in that race, was in the hunt for a playoff spot up until John Gibson shot the bed. And well, so yeah, the, and big, it, the, bi- the big yeah. qualifier I'm adding to this and why I backtracked slightly is... If slightly? We get... <laughs> completely? <laughs> if we get John Gibson not completely shitting the bed yeah. for a... 10 to 15 game stretch this season. I think the Ducks are in the playoffs. Well, I think, it, I think quite frankly, it's as simple as that for me. My, my question with Gibson this season, um, I think my question is going to be, if he starts struggling like that, if he has a bad 10 to 15, like how long is the organization, is, how long is the team going to wait before saying, before saying, hey, we just need to get Stolars well, in that? I, I think what this has shown us is... <laughs> And it's tough, right? Because like, like how, know, how, well, how ruthless are they willing to be? No, I know, them? but we're, we're not necessarily, we don't know the inner workings of the franchise or anything on this. But right. with the deals that they've made, it really feels like the Jeff Solomon effect is really taking uh, full force. Yeah. Where these are guys where someone like Jeff Solomon, who really values analytics, is going to be looking at stuff and really understand those types of numbers, things that they, they'll be looking for. One of the things that you can also look at when you're looking at analytics is things like goal saved above expected. And if a goalie is constantly performing below what you would expect them to do, you write what you were saying. Will they give Anthony Stolers a run to give uh, John Gibson some time off there? Will Luke, I mean, just give him two weeks off. Tell him, hey, we're going to put you, we'll, we'll have you as a healthy scratch. We'll run one less player. We'll have Dostal and we'll have uh, we'll have Stolars be there for, for these next two weeks. Take some time, get your head right. Then you'll be back. We don't, Putting you out there for 10, 15 games of you pl- performing poorly is not going to do right. you any good, and it's not going to do us any good. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like leaving a pitcher out there in baseball for too long, one inning too many, right? Or two innings too many, enough time for the game to be basically out of reach. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what happened with Gibson in the Duck season, right? They they just, they couldn't, and you know, it was a weird season, right? I mean, we, we've kind of, we, we don't talk enough about the fact that they didn't have a real GM for a pretty big period of time. And even when they got one in Paverbeek, like he's new, right? They're still... A lot of things being sorted out. So who knows what kind of who was calling the shots, who was going to be able to stand up to John Gibson, what kind of infrastructure was in place to tell him, hey, you're doing poorly. We think it's in your best interest to just sit out for a little bit. Just, you know, get out, like just get out of the funk because Anthony Solis has shown we don't know if he can do it for a whole season, but he can get in there and, and just hold down the fort for a few games. Uh, so I'm curious, like you, what they're going to do with that. But Getting a little bit sidetracked there. The, the Kulikov trade is a good one. The Ducks, I think, are going to be a much more exciting team. I think they're going to be in the playoff hunt. I think there are definitely some some swing factors there, right? How good is Mason McTavish going to be? Are they, you know, what kind of season are they going to get from Trevor Zegras? How good will... Like, there, there's still a lot of unknowns there, but I think that their their floor, their baseline is just a lot higher than it's been in, in years I mean, past. Yeah, and I think the Ducks are just shaping up to be one of these young teams that are going to be a very fascinating team to watch. And I think that that's exciting. Yeah. Uh, having a little bit of the unknown is exciting. And so yeah. even though I, I think you and I both are trying to be optimistic here by saying in the playoffs, in the playoff hunt, things like that, there's optimism there. It could be worse than that. I, I think that Yeah. I, I think that there is a wide range range of results for this franchise where they could be a team in the high seventies, low eighties in terms of points. They could be in the low nineties in terms of points. Like yeah. I, I think that the, there's a pretty wide range for where this team could end up. I don't know and, if it's that wide though. I actually, okay. how bad can they be? Right, depends on it. Depends on Gibson. It sure, depends but, on. But like, like sure. that to me is a bit a big question. But but there's any team can be bad if its goalies suck, right? Like like that's that's fair. That's like, fair. Like I think it's probably likelier that Gibson's going to be kind of meh than great at this point, right? That's like, fair. On balance. So I'm just looking at the division though. I mean. They're not better than Calgary. I think we can safely say yeah, that. Yep, yep. I yep. don't think I don't think they're better than Edmonton. I think you might argue that they're close to Edmonton. They're close to Edmonton. I wouldn't say they're better than Edmonton, but I think that they could be in the same range as them. They're not better than LA. Nope. I, I think LA is I think the LA is, LA is the cream of the crop for the Pacific. LA is just deep. I think that's what LA has going for it. and they added top end talent. They're much they're better than the Sharks, like dispense of that notion. They're better than the Kraken, I yep. think. Right. Yep. They're better than the Canucks. Yep. I'd agree with that. By the way, that JT Miller contract just so bad. Chef's kiss. <laughs> Chef's kiss. Jim Rutherford, baby. Um, and then Vegas. Right. Like, what do you do with Vegas? I. I think, like, on paper, we're we're at the stage of the year where all we can use is on paper. I think there's an argument that the Ducks are better than the, than the Golden Knights if they, if things break right. I mean, Aiden Hill's their goalie, so... Well, that's the argument. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's basically the argument. And that, the, you know, they, they did sign Phil Kessel. Jeez, I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, Phil Kessel was not good. But yeah, so it's like, I don't believe in the, the Golden Knights' depth. I do like the, I like the, of course, they're, they're, I mean... Their top-end talent's great. Like, that. Yeah. that's always going to be there. And here's the thing, though. Yeah. Even if the Ducks do finish below the Golden Knights, I is the Central that good this year? Fair Where, question. Like, 
Like, do you, could, do you have to only get, look at the Pacific? Yeah. The Ducks could get the second wildcard team, and it's going to be five teams from the Pacific. Well, they're certainly better than Arizona and Chicago. Yep. So we can. They're probably better. Mm, are they better than Winnipeg? Yes. Mm, Winnipeg start, hasn't Winnipeg started tanking? Well, Winnipeg's coach is Rick Bonus. Yeah, that hurts be their bad. stock, but they still have. Eh. Okay, I'll say I'll say Winnipeg will be bad just because so many of their guys are getting old. Like it's that's that's got to catch up at some point. Yep. Uh, I'll say they're better at Winnipeg, but that feels a little hard to say. Um, after that, though, I mean, are they better than Dallas? I don't think so. Oh, I think so. Yeah, you know it's funny looking at these rosters. Like I'm just flipping through these central rosters. Like the Ducks are close now. Like before, it was like very obvious separation with some of these teams, but now. You look at the, for example, the Dallas roster, and it's like, yeah, they've got top end talent, but some of their guys are, I mean, all of their guys are old that they're relying on up front, and who knows what that's going to bring year in and year out. Um, the blue line, I mean, they lost John Klingberg, and you know, outside of Miro Heiskanen, I mean, it's not the greatest blue line at all. So yeah, anyway, the point is, the Ducks are going to be in the race. They're they're good enough. They, they have too much talent not to be. And yep. I, I think that the thing that we really have to consider is just that th- the Ducks have players on their roster right now that are going to be better than we than we saw them last year. Like the internal, even if it doesn't happen for all of them, right? If Trevor Zegers, let's say, doesn't take a step, that maybe Jamie, like Jamie Drysdale probably will, right? Like there's, it's going to yep. happen where these guys get better and that on top of the moves they made ra- raises their their floor yep all right so a quick word from our sponsor so hey you yeah you you got bush you definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today manscaped taking control of your bush is important these products are so good if you're going to be showing pride in your new bush free yard it's a fact that you will have the best kept nutsack on the cul-de-sac Save big and be the most hygienic version of yourself by using our discount code CTP for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. So whether you're looking to go bald like an eagle or just in need of a safe trim, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. The grooming package I highly recommend is the Performance Package 4.0. Inside the package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is a bush's worst nightmare. The trimmer is designed to reduce grooming accidents and shave hair on loose skin uh, thanks to a ceramic blade and advanced skin safe technology. No need for night vision goggles. This trimmer has an LED to allow you to mow the lawn in the dark. It's basic landscaping. When you trim the hedges, the trees stand taller. Second best tool in the performance package is the Weed Whacker. This fine-tuned nose and ear hair trimmer will make you uh, make sure your, ta- your nasty nose pubes are under control. Instantly add some pep in your step with a Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Spray-On Testy Toner. With a performance package purchase, you get two free gifts. That's two, Felix. Two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxers. They have a bunch of other products also on their website to help you maximize your confidence and grooming game. So you can get 20% off plus free shipping with our code CTP at manscaped.com. And Kate Bush may be trending for running up that hill at the moment, but your bush may need some help. Uh, that's so you can get uh, 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use our code CTP. 
it's time you level up from the Amazon to the Amadong with the <laughs> ultimate bushwalking tools from Manscaped. Damn, I made it the whole, almost the whole ad without breaking, and then you had to do that. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Sorry. That was funny. Uh, let me ask you this. PB, uh, PBlaster7 said, the Ducks may uh, may have players to get to the playoffs, but I can't say that of the coach. Do you view that as a big negative for this team? I mean, I think we can't say it's not after everything we've said the last yep. couple of years. That would be pretty inconsistent. Agreed. But... I- I, I think I think we need to see how the start of the season goes. I think that we've seen... I mean, Dallas Higgins is kind of like John Gibson in that he can have stretches where he seems like he's getting it, where he's coaching coaching up the team in, in a way that, that makes sense, that's really optimizing the lineup, playing the right players, getting the most out of the younger players, all of that. And then he has phases, and they have tended to be the majority of the phases, where... He starts doing crazy shit, like putting Nick Delorier on the same line as Trevor Zegers or Derek Grant in, in key minutes, you know, all this, right? So I think under new direction, without Bob Murray breathing down his neck, maybe there's a chance that he has more of those good stretches than the bad stretches. Like that's what you're hoping for at this point. But I I, I think that I can't I can't say in good faith that I that I completely disagree with that statement because yeah like i've been very vocal that of dallas uh, a very vocal critic of dallas higgins the last few years but i think there's a chance and i want to stress it's a chance that that he's not as much of an issue this year yep all right so anything else or time for some questions question time all right so i'm actually gonna start with this our good friend uh trevor zebra uh from twitter he is always good at sending me questions uh in dms on twitter and last week or last episode, I forgot to get to it. So I'm just going to start with this uh, and then we'll get to discord and then we'll come back to Twitch. Uh, so he said, going into the 23-24 NHL season, what does the left defense look like? I would think Fowler, Zellweger, and Minchukov, but it doesn't seem likely because Zellweger and Minchukov will likely be rookies and uh, maybe not Zellweger for that season. So what do you think the left side will look like by the 23-24 season? So next mm-hmm. year. Wow. Wait, can't we just enjoy this year? Nope. We already have to be talking about next year. Yeah. Uh, no, I like it. That's that's the kind of question that we're left to answer this this time of year. Uh, I don't think Mintukov's on the team next. Yeah, year. I don't think Mintukov. I think Zellweger's a, f- a fair bet because he's going to be like at, at most he's playing another year of junior, right? And then it's I think it's time. So yeah, Zellweger, Fowler, and then hmm. Who else is there? I'll say, hmm, wow, this is actually tough. Uh, I mean, maybe it's going to be uh, Laco- Jackson Lacombe or, or Henry Thrun. Or Henry Thrun. I'm going to go with Player X, a, a, okay. free ag- a free agent signed. <laughs> there you go. Does his name uh, sound like Chicken Run? <laughs> wow. I know I've never made that link until now with Jacob Chicker it, it, it's and been the, something it's been something in our discord has it how have yeah. I missed this I feel like I'm in discord a lot yeah you're not though uh <laughs> so not so and then he said the the Ducks left side is looking to be very deep with Fowlers that will and Minchukov with college free agents Henry Thrun and Jackson Lacombe becoming UFAs at the end of the season it doesn't seem like they will sign because there doesn't seem to be space do you think Verbeek will trade them to try to get some value out of them rather than have them walk as college free agents uh can he trade them yeah or, i mean well i mean he can trade 
He, he can, can trade, trade the rights. Them, he can trade them in season. Yeah. Uh, I guess trade, I he guess can it, trade them all the way up until they're free agents, basically. I guess it would just be difficult to sell a team on taking these guys unless that team knows that that player is likely to sign with them. Yeah. Yeah, right. it's possible. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a possibility, but I, I feel like he stands to benefit from at least getting one of them into the fold, right? Like, I think they do need some some blue line depth. I think that's what those guys are. Uh, but yeah, I think a trade is definitely, you know, that sounds very plausible. Yep, and I'm going to have a cop out on this one, but he said, Verbeek mentioned about getting a defenseman and a forward. The defenseman he already got, Klingberg and Kulikov now. Who are some of forward names that would interest you or maybe someone you would like to trade for? To be honest, I don't really have anyone yet. Evan Rodriguez? Evan Rodriguez is probably the only one. That That's actually the one. Let's go with that. Evan Rodriguez would make a lot of sense for this team. Sonny Milano? <laughs> Just that ship he, has sailed. Yeah, that ship has sailed. Hey, was the future consideration Sam Steele not being qualified? So that he could sign in Minnesota? Sign with the Wild? <laughs> no. <laughs> that would be a past consideration. Yeah, that that's not future. Yeah. All right. Uh, so now we're going to go to our Discord. So let's see... Uh, Olaf is berserk said, do you read anything into Eric Stevens recent articles as a potential signaling from the org about line of construction plans, McTavish at wings, Silverberg might actually play, etc." Um, maybe, but I wouldn't read into that too, too much. I think that reading those articles just kind of, I've read it earlier today. I think it's just trying to kind of piece together the lineup without, it's not like a prediction per se. It's just, here's. It, it's not a prediction based on information. information. Yeah, it's just here's what I think. That's kind of yep. how I read it. So, yep. Lewis X two hundred nine asks, "What's Felix's take on the CM Punk press conference?" So I gave Felix a very brief, brief deep dive into this before we went live. I don't think he knew that this question was coming, but I did it just so he could have some information on this question. Uh. Based on the roughly 25% that I retained from what you told me, I'm just going to say that I'm team Colt Cabana. There you go. Colt Cabana catching strays from CM Punk for no reason. <laughs> team Colt Cabana, team elite for me. CM Punk is uh, is not my friend. Okay, there you go. There we go. JJ Stone Drum says, non-hockey question. Are either of you watching the new Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings show? I am not. So I am not watching the Lord of the Rings show. Game of Thrones, House of Dragon, I am. I watched the episode probably legitimately right before we started recording, maybe an hour before we had finished it. It's very good. It's very, very good. For anyone out there that loved Game of Thrones, and maybe you felt a little spurned by the final season, and you still have some ill will towards it, please put that aside and watch House of Dragons. It's so worth it, and it's so good. And it reminds me of just how good game of thrones was at its peak also matt smith is a great actor so should watch it uh and here you go this one's just for you Olaf is berserker asks why is felix the worst hashtag food takes troll <laughs> i don't know that, that I, that's not a question for me to answer would you like to get into your latest food take uh well, here the floor is yours i feel like shouldn't we get into questions from twitch or sure should we I mean, sh- yeah, well, let, sure. We'll, let, we'll get- let, let's keep teasing it. Keep teasing it. Keep teasing the the, the, the food take. <sighs> Shaken Wing says, will Zegers' numbers be in the rafter at Honda Center one day? Ooh. Uh, I'm going to say yes. I'm going yes. All right. The Puff said, over under points. McTavish, 50 points. Mm, I'm, I'm going say, under. I'm going under, yeah. I'm going under. Terry, 75. 
Uh, I'm, you want me to go first? Uh, you're going to say over. I'm saying over. I'm going to go under. Zegris, 80. Under. I'm going over. <laughs> okay. Zegris and Terry together, they're going to be over a point per game. Book it. Okay. I'm I'm here for that. Yeah. I'm I mean, here for it. I mean, you're clearly not by saying under, but, but well, still. Well, I don't think they're going to be like horribly under. I just think it's possible that he gets like 74 points. Okay, uh, so for those of you watching on YouTube, yes, we're on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash correspond. We're getting closer to 1,000 subscribers, so please, please, if you enjoy this show, go subscribe to us there. The 1,000 subscribers mark is an important mark, actually, on YouTube. It helps us to where we can now do we get, monetize. Do we get the platinum button? No, it just means that, we, it means that we can find it, we can monetize on there finally. So uh, if we anyone just, wants... We just get the gold want, button. If anyone wants to support the show in a way that's free to you, go just hit that subscribe button, watch videos there, everything like that. Um, but for those of you on there and want to join in on the live stream, we do a live stream each and every time at twitch.tv slash crashspawn where you can help support this show. If you have Amazon Prime, you can uh, you get one free Twitch Prime sub each and every month. Um, and by doing that, you get special emotes in the chat, special badges next to your name, and it does help support the show more than you can imagine. So... Uh, while we wait for questions to start coming in, please, people in Twitch chat, throw a question in front of it, and then we will uh, get to those questions. I mean, if there are if there aren't any, it's okay. There aren't any right now. We, do, we don't want to coerce questions here. Which is why go go into your food take. Okay, I mean, I've teased it long enough. It's a two parter. It's a two pronged take. So one, let me just pull it up. Make sure I have this correct. Sorry, give give me one. I just don't want to. Okay, Kev, Kev I, I, while you're doing that, Kevrock has, we have a okay. couple questions, so while you're doing that, I'll, I'll read him. Kevrock77, will Drysdale be a plus player this year? So I'm not going to answer that if you're mean plus minus, because plus I don't look at will, plus will minus he be a good will, will he be a good defensive player? I think he's going to be an above replacement level defenseman Ooh, this year. Wow, that would be a massive improvement for him. Yep, yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. How about you? Yes, yes. Do you agree with that or no? Yeah, I, I'm ready to go there. Yeah. Uh, defend the nest. Our good friend John from New Zealand had asked, "Who are the spare defenders uh, slash on the San Diego shuttle this year?" I mean, I think it's going to be Mahura and Benoit. Probably going to be put on waivers. One of those guys, Colton White, obviously is going to be down there. Ulevi, Hellison, um, right. those types of guys. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much the list. So, yeah, Dalton Key says, "Do we really think Akins will keep Zegers and Terry together for more than two games?" I do, because he kept them together for a lot of time last year down the stretch. Yeah. And it was just the third person on that line was dumb, whether it was Derek Grant or Nick Delorier or whoever else was ended up on that line. It was a dumb decision. Frank Vetrano fits the mold a bit better in terms well, of what they should Also, have. who else is he going to put with Seagrass at right wing? Like, Yeah. And who, I, yeah. And, and, like, there's not a Ryan Getzloff for Troy Terry either. Like, right. that's the thing is Getzloff is no longer here, so... You don't have that natural pair for Terry with Getzloff anymore. Do you think there's a chance that Ryan Strom plays on the wing? Yeah. So, because he may, he maybe he's the one because he is a right-handed shot. Yeah. So maybe he's a right wing with with Zegris, and then Terry can go to another line with I, Enrique. Maybe I could see that. And that I mean, would, I I could see them trying it out throughout the year. Yeah, I don't think that'd be the worst thing in the world. Um, but we will see. Uh, okay. Was there any other question? Nope. Go for it. Okay. So. I have a couple. <laughs> uh, why don't we call... So everyone says, right, like there, there's this conception out there uh, that a lot of Mexican food items are kind of redundant. They're kind of like the diff- They're kind of like the same thing, but repackaged. 
right? With tacos, burritos. It's all kind of the same core elements. You have your tortilla, you have your meat, uh, and then whatever else kind of condiments you want in there. I don't know if condiments is the right word, but you get it. You get what I'm saying. Why isn't, if a burrito and a taco are the same thing, roughly speaking, then why couldn't we call a burrito a, a taco wrap? It's a, it's a wrapped taco, is it not? It's a wrapped up taco. It's the same thing on the inside, roughly speaking, subject to, to variance, uh, but wrapped up. Taco wrap. <laughs> and then conversely... Okay, con- wait, no, con- stop, 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 wait, uh, stop, 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 <laughs> let me retort, let me retort. There is a converse to this, which let I want to get into. Let me retort, let me retort. The insides of a burrito and the inside of a taco are vastly different typically. Most burritos that you find, and there are some that are just meat and cheese, which is fine. Like, that's a type of burrito. But the insides of a burrito will typically have beans and rice or bean and cheese or things like that. Not not necessarily. Not necessarily. Typically, places have beans, rice, and meat as their burrito. Not always. That is the typical. Not always, sure. But the I, th- t- I think it, I think in Southern California, it's actually less common for there to be rice in the burrito. Less Disagree. Common. Disagree. I think, I think that is a Northern California thing. No, but whatever. Regardless, still. <laughs> bean, beans, I rice. I mean, th- th- this assertion is contested. At whereas best. tacos typically do not have beans. And while, yes, Appa, there are beans, such things as bean tacos. That is not a normal well, thing. You're, you're limiting this. The problem is you're limiting the scope of taco to street tacos. Whereas because the, that is that is typically that, that is what a taco is typically. There are other types of tacos than street tacos, so I think that you can call them a taco. You can call a burrito a taco wrap, and then the converse. Are you ready for the converse? Also, I'm, no, I'm losing it here. Sorry. What about a what about a taquito? Well, we, we don't have time for that. We're, we're, let's stick to the concept at hand. What about a to- tostada? What about an enchilada, Felix? Yeah, actually, I have seen taquitos be referred to as rolled tacos. There are places that, like, yeah. it, it literally is the same thing, but they call it a rolled taco. Yeah, because well, that's what it is. I mean, taquito is legitimately a little taco. Okay. I think, no, fuck, now that's uh, that sounds wrong as I just dropped the F-bomb on us. Uh, but uh, <laughs> now someone's going to correct me. I'm going to sound dumb on yeah, that one, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, so conversely, if... If, if we all agree, which I believe we do, I believe no, there... No, no there, one agrees with you. I believe this This is... You could go to different corners this, this of is the... Na- the pla- this is your plain pizza. <laughs> I believe that you could ask someone, a random person in the street, anywhere in the country, and you could find someone who would agree that the elements of tacos and burritos can be interchangeable. So if that's true, then you could also say that a taco is a small burrito... And looking at comparable things that we all love and that we kind of have come up with different terms for, a big burger, you know, you have a burger, it's your regular size, and then what do we call a small burger? A, a burger slider. So why, why isn't a taco just called a burrito slider if it's just basically a small burrito? Say that again? I wasn't really paying attention to you because I knew I was going to hate it. So. Why, why, isn't a, why isn't a taco, because we all agree it's a small burrito, why don't we just call it a burrito slider? Wouldn't that make so much more sense? Because now when, when, you, when you describe that to me, I instantly know what it is. Whereas taco, if I don't know what the meaning of the word taco, I have no point of reference. Whereas with slider, there's at least a chance that I know what that is. 
I think that burrito slider actually expands the world of people who know what tacos are. Not wait, legit. You should you should stop this argument while you're ahead, because <laughs> oh, I'm legit. ahead. Thank you, thank you for acknowledging Sorry, that. You're you're not ahead, <laughs> but but let me back up real quick. Now okay. you're just like sounding anti-Spanish and really? not wanting to call something oh. what it is. Okay, well, th- this is like okay. I guess I have to put in this disclaimer. This is all in satire. Like, this is all just us trying to come up with the most convoluted food takes. Us? Us? Well, don't, this, don't, th- don't, don't put me in this. This is, this is the tenet don't, of this don't, show. Don't loot me into this. Well, no, but like, let's just think about it. If I don't know the meaning of a word, if there's an additional word, then I have a better chance of knowing what that thing is. D- does, does someplace called poutine gravy fries? I mean, I think that if you called poutine gravy fries in the United States, more people would know what that is. They would but have do, a better. But, but do people in, let's just say, the Northeast, in Vermont, a place close to Montreal, uh-huh. like we are in Southern California, right? Would they would they not understand? Would they would they have to call it gravy fries, or is it just poutine? I mean, you can call it poutine. I mean, you can call it a taco if you want. I've got nothing against that. <sighs> I mean, it's the same question of why, why don't we call mac and cheese cheese noodles? I think it's the same question, oh. right? Like, like that's the that's the analogy. Like, that's the point I'm making here. It's not, it's not some referendum on Spanish culture. It's just let's let's like same thing with mac and cheese cheese noodles. Are you gonna? Bingo. I think I feel like you're gonna get canceled. <laughs> this this is the episode we get canceled over. I mean, there, we don't have to include this, I guess. No, nah, it's if, it's included. If we, think, if we think it's too inflammatory. You're gonna you're digging yourself a hole that I'm just gonna let you try to dig yourself out of eventually. Am I gonna have to write like a non-apology <laughs> apology uh, on Twitter? You I'm sorry if you're offended. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> oh wow have i had any bad food takes lately uh all of them if i had any food takes lately i don't i don't know if i have i feel like i've just been rallying against yours and dealing with all of the garbage takes that end up in our tw- in our discord chat like lewis's plain pizza one okay well which is just garbage in the interest of not getting us canceled i want to reiterate that this is a bit that we do on the show to come up with crazy takes it's completely satirical. I don't actually believe any of this. Um, <laughs> Felix took it too far, so like, he needs to reiterate it. I mean, I just feel like I just want to make sure that no one is uh, offended by this because it's pure satire. W- would you like to... I found another one of your takes. Would you like to defend it? <laughs> Let's hear it. What is it? it? You had put in Discord, is Thai food one-dimensional? Oh, yeah. Is it? Well... Is that gonna get me canceled too? <laughs> yes, if, yes. If, I, if I say that, I'm I'm not I'm not gonna touch that one. It, think, it is not it is not one dimensional. It is fantastic. You can get a nice <laughs> a nice curry from there. You can get any sort of pad thai that you want. They have good meat. Thai food is delicious. I love Thai food. Yeah. Uh man. Now I'm scared that this is gonna be the last podcast <laughs> I ever record. My good my good name is gonna be tarnished forever. <laughs> Our, our our tacos burrito sliders i mean come on that's funny right no it's funny but it's just so dumb it is dumb that's the whole point that's it's, like that's the bit it's, it's dumb <laughs> it's really really stupid like i don't actually think that that's something oh, thank, we should do thank, thank god you actually admitted it 
You actually admitted well, now, that all, you you've just admitted your food takes are bad. Thank well, God. Well, now it's now it sucks because I have to take the mask off just <laughs> in the interest of not getting us canceled. Uh, yeah, will I be will, will CJ guest host while I serve a suspension? Do I uh, do I mute Felix? Do I remove Felix right now from the chat and issue an apology to everyone? <laughs> yeah, you can you can like instantly de- muted. Felix has been muted. Everyone, I would like to issue an apology. To everyone listening to this for Felix's awful takes. Okay. All right, you're back. All right. Well, I think on this note, we should probably end end the show. Yeah, it's about time. Uh, okay. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you have a great rest of the week. Summer is supposedly over now, right? It's, like that's, No, it's September 22nd. Well, but, you know, people say, oh, Labor Day weekend, blah, blah. It's the end of end of summer, whatever. Uh, it's it's I'm frying. I don't know how hot it is in San Juan Capistrano, but I went for a walk tonight at like 630 here in Northern California, and it was like 95 degrees. It's so 77 degrees right now. I am oh. sweating, though. Yeah. Well, that's just that's just the thought of me getting us canceled. That's that's causing you to, to sweat. Oh, it's also just because it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> OK, anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Hope, hope try to stay cool. Take cold showers. Implement that into your routine if you can. Certainly something I do. Cold showers are great, better than hot showers. That one, I believe, not no satire there. If you want to help support the show and try to help keep, keep, help us keep this thing going as long as possible, there's some easy ways to do it. Uh, the number one way, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash crash the pond. Uh, for a dollar a month, you get access to our Discord server, uh, which is so much fun. You get to connect with other diehard Ducks fans. For $5 a month, you get access to two bonus episodes that we do every month. Uh, our last one actually went up six days ago, and I think it's it's a good listen. Kind of in this time where we're waiting for, for training camp, we did a one big question about every Ducks player. Uh, so check that out, patreon.com slash crash the pond. Uh, if you don't want to pledge any money monthly, that's totally fine. Uh, you can also uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search Crash the Pond. Leave us a rating and a review. If you listen to this show, if you've been listening to this show and you enjoy it and you have not left a review, please go and do it. It's it's It just takes a couple minutes, and we'd honestly just love to hear from you. I know that there's people out there that have not left a review yet, so please go ahead and do that. Uh, check us out on Spotify. You can also subscribe to us there and leave us a five-star rating, so go ahead and do that. Check us out on YouTube. Like Jake said, we're trying to hit that threshold, 1,000 subscribers, so we're getting there. That's at youtube.com slash crash the pond. Uh, check us out on Twitter. Search Crash the Pond there. We're also on Facebook. We've got a shop. So if you're looking for some Ducks-related, Ducks-adjacent apparel going into the season, CrashThePond.com slash shop. Uh, Jake is on Twitter at ReindeerGames91, and I am on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. That is going to do it for us tonight, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If this is the last show I ever record, it's been real. Love you guys. <laughs> and we'll talk to you at the next show. Thanks a lot. Bye.